I'd like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas. You'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Matlana, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. Hello, and welcome back to a, another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming back, or uh, coming, wow, it's been a couple days since I've uh, been awake, because I took Friday off for the pot and Saturday, because I was back home in Atlanta, coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, Everything School HQ. We learned that again and again this past week with the Vols taking down uh, the Georgia Bulldogs by just, uh, what was it, 29 was the final, but it was, what, 70-41, never... Never, never really a close game on that front. And then the dogs going to overtime with Matt Green texting me everything school stuff uh, to beat the worst team in the SEC this year at home in overtime. But the Tennessee Volunteers, meanwhile, were taking care of business at home and the beautiful throwbacks that I'm sure you appreciated, Matt Green, beating the Texas Longhorns, another top 10 team at home. Uh, Olivier Kamwa goes off. And the Tennessee Volunteers uh, are now the best team in the SEC with Alabama going down on Saturday. Um, you know, just typical everything school stuff. Tennessee baseball coming back in a couple weeks, number two uh, going into this year. Tennessee just all across the board. Nico over Arch. Um, what what more is there to say? Smokey over Bevo. Things are pretty good. Uh, good to get away and go to Atlanta for the weekend. But uh, and see the Hawks. They lost up close and in person. Uh, for me, for my wife's first Hawks game in person, but uh, I got to see my guy Rashad Milligan, um, and uh, so that was cool. Uh, go check out Rolling Out and all that good stuff from him. But you know, it was a fun, eventful weekend, Matt Green. But uh, how are things with you down there in Decula, Georgia, and your experience uh, to see the Dogs claw their way to victory against the the worst of the worst in the SEC on Saturday night? Uh, great intro. First of all, you know, I can't, I can't say enough about everything you said there. I gotta, I gotta try to track back with some of that, but, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it was a, it was a great time, man. That game went to overtime. The, the Stegosaurus was absolutely mm -hmm. rocking uh, for mm -hmm. those last like 10 minutes or so and, and overtime, but yeah, it was actually, yeah, that was Tori's first, uh, first, hmm. I don't know if that was her first college basketball game period. I actually didn't ask, but, um, hmm. um, I know it was her first Georgia basketball game, but so yeah, it was a good time uh hanging out in athens and uh you know seeing the dogs get a w but uh it was interesting the everything school talk um mm. you were bringing up i did a little research sir uh -oh. uh, on this everything school stuff mm. you, you talk mm. tennessee's got 23 national championships in eight different sports mm. uh all time that's damn good mm. that's um that, that's 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 a, that's a damn good athletic program right there 
University of Georgia's got 48 national titles in 11 different sports, sir. So I don't know who the real everything school is here. You know, I just wanted to drop that nugget for the listeners who think, you know, just maybe take your, just accept everything at your word, you know, and um, just just think Georgia is over here, just doesn't know how to play other sports. But I didn't uh, say that. I, and they, everything they got cool. a nice tradition themselves. I, well, I'm not disagreeing. Like, things in the past, like, I'm not disputing anything that happened in yesteryear. Like, Georgia fans love to remind folks that, like, hey, we won a national title back in 1980. That was something they could say. Like, remember Herschel? Like, that was that was their thing. Like, remember? We were good once. Um, but the thing is, once Matt. Once won back-to-back national titles. That's what I'm saying. Now you can do that now. But it's sacrificed. At what cost, Matt Green? It cost you the basketball program, the baseball program. It cost Georgia fans everything else in the calendar year, Matt Green. The University of Tennessee can't do that to their fans. They want to give them an elite product year-round. And if that just means being great in everything, but maybe not elite, like the Georgia fans talk about with those hats and everything else in Georgia, look, man, we all have to make our sacrifices. Georgia fan, Georgia sacrificed everything else for the football program and Tennessee was like, you know what? We're just going to be in everything school in the year of 2023. And that's that's what they've done uh, with Danny White now being the highest paid AD in the SEC, Matt Green. Just means more over here on Rocky Top. Tennessee's definitely, definitely looking good these days. But, um, you know, I had to listen to the 1980s stuff from mm. inferior football programs for <laughs> so long that now I'm going to flex the, the final four. As you should. Uh, the final four, the, uh, the the baseball national title in 1990. You know, it's oh, wow. like an, until until Tennessee gets either of those, I think Georgia's still got bragging rights there. Wow. They got to get a final four. If they get a final four, then obviously they're currently a better product. But Georgia can, Georgia, Georgia can still hang that over their head. I mean, sure, man. I I also just don't know why Georgia's never been able to figure out the basketball program. There's so much talent in the state of Georgia. Yeah. Like, there's never really been an excuse for Georgia to be bad at basketball year over year. I never really understood it. I mean, they've had their years, though. Like, the, the Jim Herrick years where they like they did win the SEC regular season and then the, all the scandal stuff happened. And then, you know, there was some pop-up years. You know, obviously, the, the, the Dennis Felton year was just completely out of out of the blue. They're, they're like maybe mm. the worst team in the SEC that year that they won the conference. Um, but, you know, Mark Fox had like some good teams that made some tournaments. Like they had some respectable years. But, yeah, I mean, for, for the talent that like the metro Atlanta area is producing, I feel like there really is no excuse for Georgia to not have a, a respectable program. And in the, it at least is looking respectable with Mike White. Like it's a huge upgrade from what they were the last year or two. So, you know, we'll we'll see. I, everyone was rocking these uh, f- number forty throwbacks. I think that was. I didn't get an explanation, uh, really, from who, what it meant. But I think it was like the maybe the forty year anniversary uh, for the Final Four because nineteen eighty three mm. beat beat North Carolina team with James Worthy and Michael Jordan. Just saying, <laughs> Georgia Bulldogs. People forget Hugh Durham. Mm. Uh, is Tori, was she, was she uh, like getting into it? Was she like one of the more, um, was she outgoing with calls and yelling at things that were happening in the game? Was she, was she No, I don't think Tori, I don't think Tori really knows basketball like that to like be able to like argue calls kind of thing, mm. but she's just, just taking it in and just the, the atmosphere was, was exciting. So, I mean, it was, Do, were it, you it was yelling? Like, Oh, once the game got intense, for sure. I mean, you're okay. yelling for travels or, yeah. you know, it's offensive, you know, like yelling stuff that however you yell in basketball. It was okay. one of my one of my longtime friends and his uh, and his girlfriend. So it was like the okay. four of us. It was a, it was a good time.
I'm not a yeller. Like I'm a very like I'm a quiet. I'm a pacer. I think I, like I stew internally. I brood a little bit when my games and things aren't going uh, the way. I, I just I get annoyed. I'm not a I'm not a boisterous fan by any means. And yeah, I would definitely not say I'm a yeller. I yelled. Okay. But I would definitely not say I'm a yeller. I, I'm mean, always I definitely amazed got, by like, yellers, defense, though. like just the the consistent. Oh, you know, like I, I definitely got in on that because it's like, oh, we gotta we gotta give the team some energy. I gotta do my part as a fan, as a supporter. Here's my part as a fan. This is what I do. This is the extent of what I can do. Yeah, that's, 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 that's that's what you get up in Rocky Top, I guess. I don't know. Mm. We we go hard. We go hard down in Athens. I just, it's not my personality. Like, it's really just like a personality thing. But Samantha was going hard because it was like, if the Clippers missed two free throws back to back, then you got a free Chick-fil-A sandwich. So whenever <laughs> the Clippers were at the line, she was going going hard for the free Chick-fil-A. Did it happen? No, it didn't happen. <sighs> That's tough. It was rough. Uh, but no, it was a fun time. It was a fun time. Uh, Matt Green, uh, Nigel the Nighthawk, our old friend, has a couple news items that he wanted to drop off before we finish. And don't forget, folks, you can check it out uh, this time last week on the podcast where Matt and I did the first seven of our 13 uh, green uh, coach seat heat index uh, for... I was going to say, I, the the name is all messed up. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even... I, I, like, the words are all there, but these are <laughs> not in the right order. But, yeah, the, the hot seat, <laughs> the green head coach heat index, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, hot seat, heat index. I don't know. Yeah, you, you get it. It's the hot seat. It's the hot. It's the Part hot seat. Yeah, there you go. We'll do that. Um, but yeah, so we still got. Uh, let's see here. We got six coaches. We still got to get through here. So we want to break that up to make sure they all got the time they needed uh, on this one. So we'll get into that in the main event here. But uh, check out the lat, the first seven on this very uh, feed. Uh, from earlier this week or on YouTube, youtube.com slash Jason's podcast, like, and subscribe, all that good stuff, new episodes each and every day on uh, the YouTube page. So check us out there. If you'd like to watch this very program, um, Miami, they fired Joe, uh, Josh Gaddis, who was formerly of uh, Michigan. He was at Alabama for a little bit. Um, he was their OC his first year with Mario Cristobal on the staff. Um, kind of a surprising hire, but not really when you watch Miami football this past year where the offense was just not good throughout the year. Tyler Van Dyke took a huge step back and he got benched multiple times. Jake Garcia is now out of the program. Valdosta legend, Jake Garcia. You look around and it's like, okay, well, they, uh, they gotta get this thing. They gotta get this thing humming. Cause they're, they're obviously doing really well in NIL and recruiting and Mario Cristobal has always done well there but the offense cannot be uh what it was a season ago and they have kevin Steele run the defense and i think they'll be fine there but um too much talent on the offensive side of the ball and uh they're not messing around with florida state uh going into next year as the favorites of the acc i think there's a little bit more pressure on crystal ball and the staff to have a big big year too and they can't uh leave that up to chance so um it's gonna be interesting to see where they go a couple early names that have already popped up here. Um, Matt Green is just uh, the most obvious one, who, which I think they might go is Marcus Arroyo, who was the co-offensive coordinator with Cristobal at Oregon in 2017. Um, he was fired, weirdly enough, for winning. He just won five games, Barry Odom replaced him at UNLV. I was pretty surprised by that firing. Um, he went 7-23 and 23 overall, but UNLV is a tough job, as you know. Um, just not a lot of winning tradition. Uh, with the Rebels and the football team, but I thought they were moving in the right direction and was one game away from making a bowl game. So that was a pretty surprising firing at the time. But that makes sense as a reunion. 
Joe Brady, who's also in the mix uh, for Alabama, it looks like um, he's the he was the OC at LSU in their national title run, maybe the best offensive year ever. That'd be a huge get. Obviously, they could land him. He's a QB coach right now in Buffalo. Major Applewhite, who's been in a lot of different stops. Um, he was South Alabama's offensive coordinator in 2021. Um, so he's uh, he went uh 10 and 3 with uh South Alabama this year with Kane Womack in that group. So, seems like he might be the the other main guy. Andy Ludwig is in there uh, of Utah. You've got <laughs> your old friend James Coley. Um he was offensive coordinator there from 2013 to 15 under Al Golden. Uh Ken Dorsey obviously a legendary quarterback at uh, Miami, but he wouldn't go back. I don't think Clint Trickett it's maybe a fun wild card name there. Um at Marshall's doing really good work. Um, nine and four this year, beat Notre Dame. Great stuff uh, for thundering her in that program. But Matt Green, uh, what do you make of Miami making the change and kind of the pressure for Crystal Ball in year two to win? And I think he really has to nail this next hire to run the offense. Yeah, I agree completely. I personally, I think this is kind of a red flag. I think hmm. uh, I I've had my reservations about Crystal Ball like to begin with. Like he's just seems like they've those Oregon teams really underachieved the Pac-12 was kind of theirs for the taking for a few years and they just they just never really did it never really got in the playoff or anything like that so Miami was bringing its own challenges like and just having to to really rebuild the program he's a great recruiter but this offense was just so bad they they scored 21 or less seven times last year like in college football it's like that's not going to cut it like 68th in the country i believe in points per game this past year like tyler van dyke was like a, a dark horse heisman like maybe first round at least a first round pick people were talking about he may could be the number one pick coming into 2022 and it's like he just had an awful year you know i don't think tyler van dyke's that bad but you know t to go from you know the Broyles award winner to getting fired uh you know, the next year at Miami, like that's, you know, that's pretty, that's pretty crazy. So I, um, I don't know. It feels like a red flag to me. Cause I think there's a lot of pressure, especially like Cristobal being, a, you know, more of a defensive guy. Like he doesn't necessarily have, you know, his hands on the offense. It's, it, it's just super crucial that he, he gets this higher, right? 97th in scoring last year for Miami. That's just not going to cut it. Like, it's just not going to wow. be a thing. So, and I mean, they were a tough watch. I mean, they lost to Middle Tennessee State at home. Yeah, exactly. They were, I think, I mean, I think they actually won one of those games that they scored less than 20, like 14 <laughs> to 12 or someone. I don't, mm. I'm not sure who it was, but um, yeah, I mean, some of those names you threw out, like, it's, it's just like Miami's one of those jobs that like, I'm not sure they know what level they're on. You know what I mm. mean? It's like, it's a big time job. Like they've won championships and like they have all this NFL hist uh, produce all these NFL players and history and everything. But like from what like you need to be a successful college program these days, like their, their stadium being like 45 minutes from the school and stuff like that. It's like, I don't know. Miami provides its own challenge. Like, I don't know that they go out and get like some of the, the hottest names on the market, like, mm. like a, a Joe Brady or something like his stock isn't necessarily as high as it once was, but I don't know. I I'm kind of curious to, to how big time Miami well, OC Miami can get honestly. Like, I mean, James I Coley, that I would think be, it's a, gonna be a, hot job. Like, James I, Coley would not be a good idea. 
No, James Coley's not. I'm going to guess it's either Major Applewhite. I think it's going to go Major Applewhite. And if it's not, I'm going to guess it's uh, Marcus Arroyo is my my guess is the backup there. And I think that's probably fine. But I think if you're a Miami fan, you're hoping for Major Applewhite. He did, he's done good work across uh, college football. Obviously, a good recruiter and um, Texas guy. And I, I would trust it. I just don't think Brady. I think Brady and Dorsey are pipe dreams. Brady, I think, is going to end up at Bama. My gut tells me Brady ends up at Bama. Like, what's going to happen is going to be pretty wild for a lot of people where I think Saban's going to bring in Jeremy Pruitt and Joe Brady uh, to run the offense and the defense is what it seems like we're we're headed, Matt Green. I mean, that would be uh, some damn good hires. So, um, I mean, that's about mm-hmm. as good as they could possibly do. Like, Jeremy Pruitt, like, he's become like a – a joke of a coach kind of in the just I don't Great know defensive from coordinator. a narrative perspective yeah. yeah the way people talk about him but yeah this is one of the best defensive coordinators in college football like without a doubt no question like I think it'd be big hire um but yeah we'll see what it holds and he's a Bama happens. graduate right like he actually went to Bama I, I want to say it sounds right I mean he's from he's Bama like I know that assistant and- or something like he analyst like he started from the bottom yeah Bama's definitely like a dream job for him. Like it was, uh, it was definitely the thing. And Griffin coached at Hoover, uh, in with Rush Probes back in the day. Uh, asparagus, what is that? One of my favorite <laughs> YouTube videos uh, with Jeremy Pruitt learning what asparagus was. Uh, on two a days, great, <laughs> a great clip, a great clip, Matt Green. Two a days, uh, a fantastic show. Um, who will be college football's best player next year, Matt Green? I think you would have liked this list because. Uh, ESPN.com, their staff with, with Chris Lowe, uh, Tom Ben Heron, Alex Scarborough, uh, Bill Connolly, Paolo Ugetti, they put together who they think is going to be the best players to watch in uh, 2023. But I think the one I wanted to pull is who they think the best player is. And I think this is important because the Heisman, which we'll get into in a second, is different. I think they just need to, like, there's just a different work. It's like Jalen Carter you can make the case was the best player in college football this past year. Right. But because you're a defensive tackle and it's just, it's really hard for those guys to win the Heisman. We saw with Adam Kinsu many years ago. It's just hard for those guys to get that kind of recognition. Will Anderson was another uh, example this year of just being awesome. And just, it just doesn't matter. They're, they're not playing the same game. Brock Bowers is kind of well, limited. Last those. year is the one that Will Anderson really had. A yeah, case that's true. To, but he's still had a great year this finals. year. It's just not as Bama wasn't as good. So he didn't get the same kind of love. Um, and he got neutralized in that Tennessee game, uh, which was just another <laughs> another top notch uh, job by Josh Heupel and company. The the nine million dollar man, Josh Heupel. Um, but yeah, I, I wanted to get your perspective on this because I think this is an interesting list that they had and some interesting names. Marvin Harrison Jr. popping in here. Um, we've got your guy Brock Bowers in here. Caleb Williams, Drake May, um, Penn State offensive tackle Olu Fashanu, uh, who everyone thought was going to go pro and did not. Um, so he seems like he's going to be up there. Um, there's a couple other ones, Blake Corum deciding to return to school. I don't know. Is there a name that's not even on this list? Georgia's Jamon uh, Dumas Johnson is someone who was also mentioned Harold Perkins. Who do you think when you're looking at this list and thinking about college football next year, not necessarily quarterback, who do you think is your early favorite to be the best overall player is it bowers or johnson from georgia or do you think it's somebody else you're leaning yeah i saw bill Connolly giving uh, jamon dumas johnson a mm-hmm. shout out i um 
Jim, he's he's a he's a baller. He's I think I'm not even sure he's Georgia's best inside linebacker. If I'm being mm. honest, like, I think Smile Mondin. I think he ended up leading Georgia in, in tackles as a true sophomore this year. But um, when, if I'm looking at the best players in college football, I, I, I obviously I might be biased, but I really do think Brock Bowers has as good a case as any to mm. that he is the very best player in college football right now. Also, I think Harold Perkins is definitely a guy who's gonna. Like gonna be that like most outstanding player that doesn't win the Heisman like that, and like you said, maybe we can change the award around. Obviously, mm. Caleb Williams is a baller. Like he's he does those things that you know just star superstar players do. And so like while we we disagree with like the the, the basic formula that it always takes to win the Heisman, I'm not I don't necessarily hate on Caleb Williams winning the Heisman. You know he was an outstanding just dynamic player. But but yeah, I think I think with Bowers, Harold Perkins, and probably even Marvin Harrison Jr. I think those mm. seem to be like just the the true like superstar players. I would have had Travion Henderson. I kind of thought he was going to be that coming mm. into 20, uh, 2022. And you know, he had some injuries, kind of slowed him down this past year. Like he's one of those guys who like if he if he's uh back to playing to his potential, mm. like I mean, he 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 had he showed some of that like best running back in the country type of ability uh, as a freshman, I thought. So, I mean, Blake Corum is obviously back for his senior year. So, I mean, there's, mm. there's a lot of candidates. Um, it's, it's a, uh, it's, you know, pretty loaded, loaded group. Yeah. I think Dallas Turner uh, has a possibility of doing that. He's just, he was just opposite of um, Will Anderson for the last two years. So he's just kind of been forgotten about on the other side, but now I think he's going to get the full spotlight on the defensive defensive end spot for Bama. So I'm curious to see how big he, how big his numbers are. Jared verse, I think has an opportunity to be one of those guys where he already had a great year uh, this past year on Florida state. And I think Florida state's going to be better. And I think um, just with how they done the transfer market, Jordan Travis this last year, I think he has a real chance to have like a breakout where he's the leader of a, cfp worthy defense and a cfp worthy anchor defense so i'm curious to see how good he can be because like i think if he has a big year like he'll be in play for uh first overall if that's um what he ends up doing but um the guy from ohio state's probably on that list too jt uh i was just i was literally googling his name because i didn't want to butcher his last name but yeah i was uh, i was gonna shout him out as well he's he's just a, a game wrecker on the defensive line yeah, so I wouldn't be surprised. Like uh, Ohio State defensive ends have been the best player in the country. Uh, go back to Chase Young and company. Yeah. Like that's uh, uh, the Bosa's um, the, the six consecutive years of just the same player on their team <laughs> of Joey Bosa and Nick Bosa. I mean, honestly, Chase Young is they, they had like yeah. the same the same superstar defensive end for like a decade straight. Yeah, it's a good bet. Just bet on the Ohio State one of their defensive ends breaking out and being the best player in college football. Um, it's not a bad thing. Early Heisman odds, though, Matt Green. I thought this was pretty interesting. So I want to ask you this question first in this. When you look at this, when you look at the plus, it's 1 through 10 on FanDuel. 1 through 10, Matt Green. So we got Caleb Williams plus 400. He's the favorite. Then it goes to Drake May, Michael Penix Jr., Bo Nix. And you're noticing a trend here, right? Jordan Travis, Brock Vandegriff, Quinn Ewers, Cade Klubnick, Drew Aller, and Jane Daniels and Joe Milton, Matt Green. When you look at this list from the fir- the early big favorites, 
who jumps out the most to you? Who do you who like if you had to be well, a betting were, man, you're like, oh, that looks like the best value in that top group. Who's the best value? Not the first thing that jumps out at me is Brock Vandegrift. Like these people <laughs> know something I don't know. Like Brock Vandegrift having the sixth best odds to win the Heisman. Um, that that kind of threw me off. But obviously, the <clears> quarterback <throat> at Georgia is going to have a, a shot. I personally think with at those top, you said that was that was that ten you named. I think so. That are all like plus two thousand or or better. Jaden Daniels is honestly the Mm. one I like the most because I think I'm I'm a firm believer in the year two uh, spike. You know, Mm. I think there's just a lot of those teams, good coach teams especially, and I think Brian Kelly's been around long enough that you can safely say that he's one of the the best coaches in college football. And I Mm. think I mean they definitely overachieved year one like. I don't think anyone saw them getting to the SEC championship last year. So Jaden Daniels coming back, having a second year, like I think LSU could could be a sleeper uh, for sure. And because I mean that's that's part of what it is. Too. Your team's got to win at least like ten games for you to for you to win the Heisman. So I, I think LSU. I think that's probably as good as bet as any. Like Drake May plus one thousand isn't terrible for being mm. like the second highest odds. You know, like I think Drake May. I don't even think I named him, honestly, because I, I was kind of na- trying to leave out quarterbacks. Drake May might just straight up be the best player in college football. Like, I mean, mm. he's probably going to be the number one pick in the draft. So, you know, it's I wouldn't rule him out either. It, it's it's he is the second best odds, but it's like at, at plus one thousand, it's not it's not terrible. No, I would sell all the Drake May and Caleb Williams stock though. Like, I think Drake May. Is, it, I, I'm not a Chip Lindsey guy. I'm nervous about that hire from mm. North Carolina. I'm worried about the Sam Howell drop. Remember, Sam Howell was going to go number one overall, and then it just completely fell off the face of the earth and went. He ended up going late because he had that bad last year in yeah. Chapel Hill. Like, I, I'm no, I'm nervous about that one, and it's already, it's already really hard to go back to back. And when you look at this list, guess what? Caleb Williams is going to be surrounded by a bunch of other premier big time quarterbacks michael Penix jr um you've got dju who's high up on this list which is interesting um you've got uh but you got bo Nix, you've got um who else was uh in that top group i don't know where he went oh cam rising um is obviously there but anyway where is, uh, where is dju because i i definitely think dju is a sleeper this year like i i could like I, I could see a Bo Nix type of resurgence for for DJU at Oregon mm. State. Um, I don't know. I don't know where he ended. I up. don't even see him on this list. Maybe but twenty twenty two is yeah. So this is plus eight thousand is is Leary. I don't know how 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 many people is that twenty five thirty or so. So yeah. the biggest omission on here is Carson Beck. Like mm. whatever Carson Beck's numbers are, I would put that right now. Like, cause I think he's the the favorite to win the job over Vandegrift. So if it's plus 8,000, like Tori was giving me the hardest time last year because I talked about Stetson. Like it was something like plus 8,000, like before the year is like, we should probably put a bet on this. He's going to be the quarterback potentially for the number one team in the country. That guy lots of times can win the Heisman. So mm. as it looked like those first few games when he was like actually putting up the huge stats and the, some of the Heisman buzz was creating, I, I was, I was getting a little, I was sweating a little bit. Like if I, uh, if I missed out on that bet, but, um, but Carson Beck, I think definitely has as good a shot as any, just because of what the formula is, you know, but look, going down the list uh, to me, I like Sam Hartman at plus mm. 3,000. I think at Notre Dame, that just, you know, that could just set them off. It feels like they've been a quarterback away 
I mean, Ian Book was Ian Book I think was he's solid. the most talented quarterback they've had in like a decade. Ian Book? No, um, no, Sam oh, Hartman. Oh, Sam Hart, without a doubt. Ian Book yeah. was like good, but so I don't, I don't want to say they were quarterback away with him, but they kind of were. I think but they were, man. Ever since, yeah, they ever were since beat Georgia he left, twice. Yeah, so you could probably even apply it to those Ian Book, mm. but yeah, especially like the year with, with going back with like the Tao year and the yeah. the year they played Georgia uh, in Notre Dame. It's like. There's always kind of that same dual threat guy who just wasn't that great of a passer. They just they kind of seem to be that a lot. So Sam and they Hartman, kept waiting there like it's Malik's a year we promise. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I I can't even remember some of the like Wimbush, Brandon there Wimbush. Was, yeah, was, there was a Wimbush. I think he was the one when they went to the title game. Yeah. But um, so I feel like uh, Hartman definitely makes Notre Dame. What was it him or Golson? Was it? I thought it was Everett Golson who went to the title Everett game against Golson. Bama. Ah, you you could be right about that actually. Yeah. Wimbush might have been the year they played Georgia. I'm not sure. They're all so similar players, to I be think honest. God, I think Wimbush was a Georgia year, if I remember correctly. Okay. But just – and then just going down the list, yeah. it's like Marvin Harrison Jr., like plus 5,000, like he seems like he could have, you know, a da- Devontae Smith type of Heisman type season. Like he's mm. – to be that low on the list and he's one of the best players in college football, mm. I, I, I'd take a shot at Marvin Harrison Jr., KJ Jefferson taking a long shot. Who knows? Yeah. Um, for me, I have two. Matt Green. I have two that I think I would if I if I was getting on any of these right now. Here are my two. I'm not going Joe Milton. I'm just gonna go ahead and tell you a plus two thousand. <laughs> I would stay away from that one, folks. I'm uh, I'm not going anywhere near that one. Um, what I will say, there's two that jump out to me. One, sure. Will Shipley plus six thousand. With Garrett Riley entering the fold, you saw how much Clemson was giving him the ball, both in space, in the backfield. We've seen some running backs win it. Derrick Henry and company, Mark Ingram. Like, it's not impossible for a running back to win it. Strong, uh, like, there's just, he was doing it all for Clemson in that game against Tennessee. And I think he's just a vocal point because the, the receivers are not what they've been in years past in, uh, in Clemson. And he is asked to do a whole heck of a lot for that Clemson group. And I think narratives matter a lot in college football awards. And I think the narrative with Will Shipley is like, this is a do it all back. He is just a warrior. If Clemson wins a lot of games. It's obviously a caveat. So you don't want to throw it at a team that you don't think is going to win like 11 or 12 games, because it's just very rare for those guys to win the Heisman. Like you need to bet on someone who you think is going to be in the, in the title game in their conference. Like you need those narrative pushes and they're going to have good years. I think Clemson will be right there for the ACC title game. And I just, I don't know. There's part of me that's like, Will Shipley, I think I could see him being like an all-purpose yardage freak this upcoming year where yeah, his numbers think, are bonkers. And I think that's what it would take kind of, obviously mm. Derrick Henry wasn't that, but he was just such a workhorse. But yeah, yeah it feels like it takes that maybe like that Reggie Bush type that's yes. like a dynamic catching the ball uh, and obviously on the ground. Maybe returning punts. <laughs> I don't know if I see that from Will Shipley, but in terms of like, what is he, plus 6,000? It's like, I would throw it's a like worth a there. shot. Yeah. He, I think there's a chance he could be the best running back in college football. I would agree. I'm not as high. Like I was, I was very low on Will Shipley after his freshman year. I was like, hmm. especially for being a five star, I was not impressed at all with him in 2021. But in 2022, I think like the second half of the year, he, he, he showed like kind of how dynamic he was. For sure. For me, the other one was Ty Simpson at plus 2500. Like I think he's a really good player, five star out of Tennessee. Yeah. Like I think Bama's gonna they're going to bounce back and obviously he's going to have a lot of pass catchers. And just, if you think Bama's going to be really good, it's always good to bet on the Bama quarterback. And the odds are pretty low for that one. It's been Bryce Young at high marks for a while. 
the value's low there. I would jump on uh, Ty Simpson right now because I think he'll be under center for Bama this year. I think that's pretty good value at this point. Yeah, that's a good call. Same for Ohio State. It's like yeah. Kyle McCord's at plus 2,500 and mm. Devin Brown's at plus 5,000. Like, mm. I don't know who's going to win the job, but um, every Ohio State quarterback's basically put up the same stats for like 12 <laughs> straight years. So I would bake on them uh, doing it again. For sure. For sure. Um, I mean, Mac- if they had a dip, yeah. like since like Braxton Miller's like, he was like Big Ten Player of the Year. Then it just went straight to JT Barrett, like mm-hmm. to whoever was after JT Barrett. Like uh, was that straight to um, that was Fields, Haskins, right? and then or Haskins Fields. and Fields, yeah. And now um, Stroud, Stroud, like it's just yeah. just elite production after elite production. Troy Smith, yeah, even before Terrell Pryor, before that, Cardell so Jones, even like, for a little bit. Yeah, it's it's pretty ridiculous. Um, yeah, the Craig Krenzel years are long and forgotten. Justin Zwick. Yeah. Uh, was it Todd Beckman? Yeah, yeah those it's, days it's are long gone. The Jim Trestle era is, uh, is long gone, Matt Green. Um, last thing before we get into back into our uh, our heat uh, coaching hot seat index, uh, Matt Green, presented by Matt Green, and that's just how we're going to do it because I don't know how else to rejumble these words that we have together to name this segment. But Matt Green, um, Stetson Bennett made the news again this morning. Um Talked about it over breakfast uh, with my wife and family um, we, this morning before we departed Atlanta to come back here to Knoxville. And I don't know, like my first thought to you, Matt Green, what I have been, I think you would say I've been very fair to Stetson this whole, the last two years, right? Like you, you would say like, even though I, I make fun and I'd joke about the Georgia football team and like us being an everything school, there's still a respect here. Like uh, there's still a look Stetson's been awesome and I have been like George has been the team to beat and George is this and George is that I think I've been pretty fair like I, I make jokes but I'm still I would by and say, like most people you became a believer like 13 months ago like mm-hmm. I think most people didn't believe him until he actually did it in the playoff against Michigan and Alabama and it was like yeah. un- that was a really super high bar to set on anybody like yeah Go win the national championship, and then we'll agree that you're actually good. But, um, but yeah, I think going into last year, you definitely gave him the, a little more respect. I think you did say that he should ride off into the sunset. Fair take. Would, That's a fair take. Because he would never do any better. And it's I like, didn't say that. Nope. Nope. Hold on. I said it's going to be the odds are against him finishing with the same exact – like, he was right. Like, he got it. He did not lose a game this past year, so it worked out. But what my point was, I'm like, you're going out on top and like, you're not going to be like a 15 year NFL vet and you're going on to bigger and better things. It's like, you have this opportunity to like end on this unbelievable story note. And like, you'll only have these positive memories forever for all these Georgia fans. I'm saying the odds of you doing 15 and 0 or getting back and doing this exact same thing and ending your career as a dog with, uh, with a victory was going to be very unlikely that's all i was saying because it was him against the field that was it no that's true but it's like all if he's not going to be a 15 year nfl vet then he better stay in college what else is he gonna do just like no true. i just want to i just want to start working now i'll just go find a job i just want to coach i don't want to play anymore let me, let me give me a clipboard now it's like if you can he play strike me as a coach does he to you he doesn't strike me as a future coach um well you know these these latest uh <laughs> transgressions you know really hurting his uh his his stock but um I mean, I don't know. Well, you have a take on this, Matt Green, because we were talking about it off air. I think you have a take on this. I just think it's just been a weird post month because as a a Stetson defender this whole past year, 
I think the stuff we can say at the event, like the the headphone incident or the auxiliary cord incident was significantly overblown and that's not a real thing like people who are getting mad about his looking around and not paying enough attention or whatever that was stupid and stetson like dunking on the person for calling him out he's like dude i was just playing with the auxiliary cord and like managing the tunes on the float you can watch the video it's defensible it's like yeah i get it that's that's fine the speech itself you could just as a georgia fan because i've asked other georgia fans and they were like yeah that was kind of kind of rubbed some folks the wrong way talk to georgia people like you could see how some people were like okay with it. Others were like, eh, that was kind of weird. You just went back to back. Like you're a little mad for like they're just at the wrong people here maybe a little bit. Like I think you might be more mad at media who were yeah. downing you for a while. I think most, if not all, the Georgia fans were just 1,000% on board with Stetson all year long this year. I think last year would have made more sense if, to have that kind of speech where they were still like, I want JT back in. I want JT back in. But this year was unquestionably Stetson's team. And I think Georgia fans, you can speak more to this, were 1,000% behind Stetson Bennett this entire year. I would I say that there was were weird. some. I think, like you said, the timing seemed weird. It seemed almost like uh, he would have done that last year, like you mm-hmm. said. But I don't think Stetson had the swagger necessarily last mm. year. Like maybe he did, still didn't believe how good he was. It seemed like this year he kind of played with a different type of swagger. Yeah. Like he kind of. He he just he, the the celebrations, the dropping the mic stuff, the 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 phone stuff. It's like he had a little more of a, a of a swagger this year. I feel like mm-hmm. so that could be kind of part of it. And I don't hate it. Like I I felt like the people who made a big deal about the parade, it it did seem kind of like odd time or the speech. I should say. Did you it hear it like live? odd timing? I did actually. I went to um, Creature Comforts after uh-huh. we were like after they went in the stadium and they actually were, were playing it. So, and everything. as a fan, what was your immediate reaction? What was you and Tori's reaction? Did y'all in the moment go, "This is weird"? What? This is a little. Strange. I think my exact reaction was like, "Oh shit, I see okay. Stetson." Like, because mm. I mean, this guy's earned the chip on his shoulder. Like, even yeah. his own fan base pretty much thought he wasn't good for most of the season, the year he won a national championship. Yeah. Like, so. Like a lot of Georgia fans want to rewrite history. Like they've they've been around, they've been on his side the whole time. Like mm. I just basically trusted Kirby Smart, and I'm like, you know, if Kirby Smart gets paid to win football games, like if he thinks Stetson's better than JT Daniels, then he's probably better than JT Daniels. Like I I think he's he's earned that uh that trust, not but not from all Georgia fans because of history of quarterback decisions. But I um I just I wouldn't say I just was uh. 100% believer in Stetson the whole time. I definitely, I think it was the Florida game, 2021, that I was like, you know, maybe we should see if JT, you know, how the offense is looking. You know, I wasn't 100% sold. Nolan Smith, I think that's what Nolan Smith mm. should get the biggest shout out for it because he was the first one that kind of just, you know, unprovoked was like, look, Stetson's our guy. We're behind him. Like, I feel like after that point, it seemed like, you know, Stetson kind of had more confidence the, the rest of the way. But, um, I don't. I, I feel like he earned the the chip on his shoulder. So I didn't really hate him just being like, man, y'all like y'all gave us a hard time, like, and you know we we just keep on winning, like, and you know, so maybe you're not satisfied with a four point win over Missouri, but like as a football team, you're like, our job is to win games, and we we won. It's had a really good year so that's one thing i was gonna say i didn't know if you were gonna use that because i i feel like people are using this as like a a laundry list of like oh stetson ever since the national championship he's just 
all these bad looks like, like I, other than the this is the first one like this has been intoxicated in public plenty of all, all and I've never gotten arrested for publishing like I think there's it's it's a uh, it's reasonable um it's not unreasonable for to be an NFL team and just certain way about you know it it pretty minimal yeah i get what you're saying i just the thing with stetson too and i i get what you're like i really do get and i think part of the chip on his shoulder is that it's almost like it's now been on like he's played with that swagger for two years and he's built um and it's like carrying it over into his personality as a whole right like that's what it feels like to me is the chip on his shoulder and the winning and just being like a larger than life athlete is kind of like carrying over a little bit we're like all right like this is great but now it's over like you've played your last down as a georgia bulldog where you had the best roster around you which is not look a shot at him it's just the reality was like you were the you had this situation most saturdays where your roster was significantly better than the team you play its roster and if you want to play in the nfl it's not how it's going to be the rosters in the nfl are the margin of error in the nfl is just so razor thin and so many teams are so close to each other like that's what the nfl wants is everyone to be very very close and then a couple different players whether it's the quarterback or whoever kind of flips it to go one way or the other like but the rosters by and large are still very very close in terms of talent and all that so i think for him the decline to go to the senior ball was weird and Link Cunningham took his spot. I think that was another part of it where it was like it was a late invite and we don't know the whole story on why he ultimately declined. He's still going to throw at the combine. Georgia has their own pro day that he'll do and all that. But like just a little weird. It seemed like that was just another opportunity to make connections and um, a good opportunity for those guys who were not like the Bryce Youngs and the CJ Strouds of the world to who are they know they're going top 10, right? Like Stetson, it's just another opportunity to network and increase your draft stock, increase your your notoriety and to see what you can do in that kind of circle. And it's just a big, big event and a big opportunity. So he's not going to do that. And then the public intoxication thing is just, it's not a good look. Um, it's also Before, something that would have been avoided if he was doing the senior bowl this week. Like if he was doing that instead of being in Texas, I don't know why, but like it was 7 a.m. is when he got, like he was what, banging on doors? was He was allegedly banging on doors when the cops yeah, were called or something. That's what I've heard, um, which is, you know... <laughs> grounds for arrest obviously but um before we get into that though like as far as the senior bowl stuff goes like i think that's what's being overblown because it's like people don't you don't know why this guy's making a decision you know what i mean it's like he's he's i think he's literally in dallas training for the draft right now like obviously Mm. he's having a lot of fun last night (laughs) apparently but he's obviously there to train for the draft and like these guys are gonna have pro days like like i think stetson bennett specifically like He's not a, he's going to do the combine, but he's not a combine guy. He's not this throw on air and just make, just blow people away type of guy. So I think there's also a, an angle of that, that it's like, you want to, you want, you want to know what Stetson Bennett is? Turn on the game film. And like, yeah, that's, he's a tape that's guy. what I am. So, 
you you stack him up against a guy who's six four with a with a rocket arm or something, and that guy's gonna look better than Stetson Bennett. But it's like, was there ever one time in twenty twenty one or twenty twenty two that you thought Will Levis was a better player than Stetson Bennett? Even no. Anthony Richardson, like. Maybe after the Utah game this year, like, yo, Anthony Richardson, Mike, but then he, he kind of squashed that pretty quickly. It was like, these guys are going to go potentially first round, and, and Stetson, what he does, it's it's on film, and it's it's those intangibles kind of keeping plays alive and everything, and his his arm is not like a weakness. It's it's not it's not C.J. Stroud's arm, you know, it's not mm. Matthew Stafford's arm, even Bryce Young, but it's like. He he threw a lot of deep balls and he threw them threw them a lot of them well. So it's I don't think that's really a concern either. So I could see part of that that you're like I'm going to train for my pro day. Pro day is such a a what am I trying to say controlled environment like that you know you're you're throwing to your own guys, everybody you know, like you have chemistry with. Like you're gonna he's gonna build plenty of connections with NFL uh, coaches and everything at his pro day at the combine. So I don't think. Just you know, this this week in in Mobile, Alabama. I don't think that's you know a reason to like question his character or anything. No, you know? no, no, no. None of this is questioning his character. It's just more of like like decision making. Okay. Yes, it's, that's all we're looking at is decision making. Where you're like, mm, did you think that one through when you did this speech? Did you think this one through with how this would look? Did you think this one through with the judgment call of being out and getting arrested and this coming out at this point? Because like. I don't know. It's just every narratives come about from this, right? Like now this is all spinning and this is going to be something he has to answer about in meetings, right? With team meetings ahead of the draft, right? They're all going to ask about this is what I would guess going forward. Like this is now something that he's going to have to talk about and he's not going to enjoy um, talking about it and addressing it and saying that, look, I, I messed up. This is an it. Like I made a mistake, whatever. But like, there's no other quarterbacks right now uh, who are getting into this kind of trouble. Like it was a dumb mistake, but it's like, he's 25. Like this is not something that should be happening <laughs> at this point. Like this is not, I don't know. I just, it, it seems weird. And when I read it, I'm like, that can't be true. And it's just a weird, it's a weird thing. So what I is mean, this age restriction on getting blackout? What is this chase? 7 a.m. What is going on? You, you get you know blackout what an age whatever age on? you want. No, hold on. You know, it's not an age restriction, but it needs to be stopped. Like the joke and Pete, Josh Pate uh, tweeted about this today where it's like the jokes, the fastest he, uh, he I'm paraphrasing here, but he had some, said something like about the, uh, the speed to which um, the, the jokes about him getting arrested in Dallas um, the TCU Dallas Stetson Bennett arrest jokes got old quicker than any joke um, that he's ever seen, which was mm. true because all the fans, you look at all the tweets that were talking about the arrest and everything was like, oh, um, Dallas, this is the only the only way they stopped uh, Georgia and Stetson Bennett was by like... That's a quality was, joke right there. It's not. It's if you so hear it bad. once. And here's the other thing. Dirty little secret. No, no shots fired against TCU fans. Do you know what? fans that all the dallas pd fans are of like college wise do you know what they're going to be fans probably of probably texas texas longhorns <laughs> yeah i don't know what people think tcu is but dallas is a gigantic city that i'm going to go ahead and say 95 percent texas longhorn fans like tcu is a small private school not a lot of alums it's not a big fan base yeah but dallas fort worth is a, a huge 
a huge area. Like that's like the it's a small fifth, private fifth school. Or sixth biggest uh, market. I'm sure there's plenty of TCU fans there. Not but nearly as many as Texas and Texas. I would, uh, I would like to see the uh, the demographics of the of the fan of the fan base in in the Dallas Fort Worth area. They have ten thousand students right now. Southern Miss has more students. SMU has a thousand more students. Hey, enrolled. they have. <clears throat> they have a college football playoff appearance and a national title appearance, and that's. I just think we're giving too much credit to like. We're giving too much credit to the TCU fan base, where it's like, oh, that's the they're the Dallas area stuff. I'm like, what are we talking about? They have ten thousand people at this school. What are we? I talking was about? thinking that um, watching um, the Bengals tonight because they have a, mm. a defensive back, a rookie from Cincinnati, mm. and I was thinking like, oh man, I bet this guy's you know fan favorite played Cincinnati's <laughs> on the Bengals. I was like. They're probably Ohio State fans that yeah. they're the room for the Bengals, you know. But, but yeah, Cincinnati is not necessarily moving the meter. Uh, but hey, no. t- CCU and Cincinnati, they've they've been in the playoffs, so they that's, have. That's more than some of these quote unquote blue bloods can say. I just hope it all like I like Stetson. I hope it all comes together. I hope he get like I hope it like he figures it out. But I mean, he's Mel Kiper said this week that he was going to be a third round pick. Uh, is what he's hearing. Which be interesting. That's about where Hendon's been mocked. So I'm curious to see which one goes where. Hendon coming off the torn ACL. So he's not going to be able to do a lot for teams, which obviously will hurt his stock. Um, but they've been compared all year long. And Stetson and Hendon had just uh, back and forth. Um, awesome, awesome. Right, right. Both should have been Heisman finalists um, this past year. But um, I don't know. I think it's just something that, look, we don't know what happened here with T- with in Dallas. We don't know why he did not decide to ultimately go in the senior bowl. Um, it's just, I don't know. We'll see. It's just kind of an odd, was, all we can say for sure, right? Is it's just a odd t- It's just a few odd decisions by sets and Bennett of late. See, and that, that's the, the only point I was going to make. It was just that like, when it comes to like what the NFL is thinking about him, like they're not going to care at all about the speech and the, the, the speech at the parade no, or the, the, the senior bowl. Like they might ask a question about the senior bowl, but there's going to be nothing about that. That's going to do fans anything talk about to his draft stock. But I mean, this is not nothing. Like, yeah. I mean, you're, you are 25 years old. You're 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 a quarterback. You know, you're naturally going to be in that leadership position. Like, Stetson's not going to be. He wasn't ever going to be drafted to be the the franchise leader. You know, yeah. he wasn't going to be the 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 pursue the assumed starter by whoever drafts him. Mm-hmm. But when you're a quarterback, you're 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 one injury away from basically being the leader of the team. So it's you got to possess those leadership qualities. <clears throat> a drunk disorderly conduct or whatever it was public intoxication yeah it was i think public, just public intoxication, intoxication i think is all it yeah. was i don't want to uh add on to whatever it was but no it's just public intoxication i believe so it's i mean it's not the biggest deal in the world right it's it's mm. not it's not as bad as like a dui or something would have been you know jeopardizing the lives of other people or something like that so there is you know a scale but at the same time it, it still shows poor judgment like it's 7 a.m man yeah <laughs> you're 25 man. it was 7 a.m and he was the quote was the preliminary yeah, he's on eastern time you know it's a little different yeah you know, it's one one time zone over you know misdemeanor so. but they uh they said quote um in a statement to dallas uh, dallas police in a statement to espn a dallas police department spokesman said officers responded to a report of a man banging on doors in the 1600 block of tribeca way at 7 10 a.m on sunday Ooh, they, when the quote the preliminary investigation found when officers arrived they located the man Stetson Bennett 25 and determined he was intoxicated Bennett was taken into custody and transported into the city detention center in charge of public intoxication he left the detention center Sunday morning but could not be reached for 
comment. I don't know. We'll see. I think uh, I think if we're being honest, you know, I I don't I want to promote you know safe consumption of alcohol. But I think if we're being honest, this probably just added to his legacy in in the city of Athens, Georgia. I think he I think he fits in just like uh, any other any other student from UGA now. I don't know. It's just, <laughs> you're about to be an NFL draft, and you're 25, man. I don't know. I can't can't hey, sign there's off. Nothing can't Stetson, there's nothing Stetson can do to hurt his legacy. I guess not at Georgia at this point. Yeah. Two-time national championship. Two-time. Two-time. Like Ric Flair said. There you go. Ric Flair, we, who Georgia fans disowned, by the way. He was like a Georgia fan mm. at some point. And he was like He's a Michigan, Michigan fan. Everybody. I don't He's know just... what this guy's doing. He's, he went to like Minnesota or something, right? I there was one of those um, ESPN mm. documentaries about him. Uh, He's from was, North Carolina. Is that what it was? I think he was yeah. adopted, if I remember correctly. Um, but yeah, that's why his daughter's named Charlotte, I think. I don't know. I could be wrong. I think he's yeah. in North Carolina. I don't know that much about him. Um, seen him in public, though, several times. He used to be a Gwinnett guy. <laughs> I've seen <laughs> that him. Right? He was, uh, yeah, I've seen him um, a couple times. My brother has. I've yeah, seen him. He's, He's been around and about. He was just—he was a more uh, open, around the about guy. He was—he uh, was out in public a lot. Uh, but I, I think, think a lot of those WCW guys were um, Atlanta were based guys. in Atlanta, yeah. right? With Turner and all that. Yeah, I know Lex uh, Luger. Uh, he was a uh, Dallas Diamond Page is here somewhere. Um, Diamond Dallas Page. Yeah, Diamond Dallas Page. Yeah. Um, Matt Green. It's time for our coaching college CFB coaching hot seat index sir as we continue on last one we ended with billy napier up next we only have one more that we we both had on the list so these are mostly gonna be mine we hit a lot of yours on the last one i have a name on here matt green that i think you yes. might disagree with very confused by this name being on here clark lee is clark lee on the hot seat going into year three matt green at year vanderbilt three do you think Clark Lee, Clark Lee is an absolute zero on the zero. hot seat right now? Yes. You look at um, Derek Mason got seven years as the head coach at Vanderbilt. <sighs> Was it Bobby Johnson uh, before that? <laughs> before um, uh, Franklin? He got mm. seven years. Frank mm. Vanderbilt was never good. Yeah. This guy just won, was it six games or five, five games? Five. No, people five thought and seven. he was going to win six games and then Tennessee. <laughs> Kirk Curb Street thought. Yeah. Uh, but no, two and 10 year one to five and seven. This is an absolute zero. I think he's, mm. I think he's got probably at least three or four years guaranteed at this point after mm. a five win season. Who'd they beat? Florida? A win over Florida? It's like that, that buys you at least two or three years at Vanderbilt. That one win alone. They got to go to Wake Forest. They get Hawaii at home. Um, they go to Ole Miss, to South Carolina, to Tennessee. They get Georgia at home. They got to go to Florida this time, so they're going to lose it this time. Kentucky at home, they'll probably lose that one. They got to go to UNLV on the road. Like, that's an on-the-road, out-of-conference game for some reason. Like, this looks like a 3-9 and nine schedule to me. But I'm looking at it. They were, um, let's see, where did they finish in offense last year? 90, where was it? I just lost them. Where'd you go, Vanderbilt? Um, wow. I, oh, 89th. They were 89th in uh, offense last year. They were bad across the board. Here's my issue with Vanderbilt. And it's been something that I've just been annoyed. They were 112th in passing, Matt Green. 112th in passing. What was their yards per attempt here? They were 106th in yards per attempt, 6.5. They were just terrible across the board. That offense was bad. They're still doing this thing where they're 
they're trying to build like the the three star just we try really hard and we're building and we're going to maximize these guys but like I don't think this works at Vanderbilt. Where do the wins come? Like, Tennessee is rolling. Kentucky's got this thing cooking. You've got Georgia being the juggernaut they are. You've got to play a couple teams in the West every year who are all going to be better than you. So you get Auburn and Ole Miss this upcoming year. You're going to lose both games. And then you look, I mean, over here, it's like South Carolina's okay. They'll probably be favored against you. Mizzou, I mean, they're not great, but even Mizzou is usually beating Vanderbilt. I just, at what point do you just go, all right, the defense first philosophy that Derek Mason had did not work. The thing that we did well was when we hired James Franklin, won a lot of games, offensive first guy, recruited really well. My thing is they should be running the triple or they should be running the air raid. You are not allowed to run a pro style scheme and do this ground and pound and we're going to out muscle you, out thank you in this stuff. I'm like, you're trying to build Notre Dame in Vanderbilt. Like, what are we doing? This is not going to work. The wins are not coming. So I'm just like, if I'm a Vanderbilt fan going into year three, I want to see some real positive development because they've actually recruited well at the quarterback spot. Swan looks like he could be a good player. He, they've recruited well there. But like, where are the wins coming? I just don't believe in this philosophy. Northwestern's running into this wall right now where they're losing a bunch of games and they built this great defense. But it's like, they're so bad offensively. You can't compete in the Big Ten when you're not scoring enough. I just... I don't like it. I think it's a bad way of going about it. Like I, I just to be fair, you can compete in the Big Ten, scoring like seventeen points a yeah. game on offense. <laughs> like they especially the that. Big Ten West, but um, and Kentucky. I mean, that's kind of what Mark Stoops has built Kentucky into being, just being like a physical team. And Kentucky, they're gonna know, have a quarterback going in the top five. They the had more history year. than they had more history than Vanderbilt, but like yeah. for a long time, at least before Tim Couch, Kentucky mm. and Vanderbilt were essentially the same. Like they were both just absolute bottom feeders so you know kentucky is a, a bigger school than vanderbilt is but you know there's not you know if, if you're good at it you know there's no there's no reason especially you know if, if vanderbilt is getting those guys that that stay around four or five years like you know that that could potentially help them in the future so i'm, I'm not gonna rule out they're because... going two and ten next year they're gonna lose 10 straight games i'm saying it on this podcast january 29th 2023 they go to wake forest to UNLV, Kentucky at home, Mizzou at home, at Florida, at Georgia, at Ole Miss, Auburn at home, at South Carolina, at Tennessee. I think they lose all those games. Vanderbilt, they'll win. They'll win a game or two. They're not supposed to win. That's all. That's all I'm saying. I just think it's going to go backwards. They won five games, and now they're like, "Oh, we're going bowling." I think the but expectations like, are a little bit too high now, and people are, are like, oh, "What? Gonna... You think expectations are high? What are the I, expectations?" Really, I think people are going to be expecting bowl games, and I think the administration might expect a bowl game by winning five games this past year, and they're not going to. I even think they're sniff hoping one. for a bowl game. I don't. Yeah, know. they're not but sniffing one. You think if they go five and seven again next year? They're not going like, five and seven. But I'm saying if they do, like you think this, but that's my point exactly. You're saying they're not going five and seven. Like it's no mm. chance to go five and seven. Zero chance. So if they do go five and seven, they're they're as happy the as statue. they could possibly be. Yeah, they're like, what? We won, we won two conference games <laughs> this year. Three conference games. Like hell yeah, keep doing it, Clark. I just, I don't know, man. I just, I think he's a good coach in a lot of other spots. I just don't think this makes sense. I don't believe in this kind of ideology at Vanderbilt. I just think you need to be running the triple. No, I think that's the fair. But just doing something kind of gimmicky yes. type of. They need to be yeah. a gimmick school in football. Yeah, and I think that's fair. But, you know, the the results on the field are, aren't terrible at this point. So, you know, it, 
Brian Kelly, you know, we kind of saw how Notre Dame kind of plateaued. Obviously, it's a way higher ceiling than Vanderbilt is, and you know, maybe that's what Clark Lee does. He can he can build a a, a poor man's Notre Dame down the which SEC. is what. Which is Kentucky, honestly. No, it's, there's no path. That's a, but that's what Kentucky is. They're this physical, like fundamentally sound team, plays solid defense. Devin Leary might usually be good the at best the line of scrimmage the next year. But I'm saying what a, what Mark Stoops Kentucky has been for like almost yeah. a decade. But they're like, evolving. They're, I mean, they're, they're respectable, trying. but it's like it's it's like that old fashioned like run the football, like yeah. win the trenches, like and that's why they were you know so underwhelming this year because they, they were top really bad in last the year. No, and Kentucky's way better than Vanderbilt, yeah. but like that's that's all Vanderbilt can hope for is to. But it's like you're recruiting at the seventy fifth percent. Like what? They're uh, what? I don't even. Oh, have it's an it. uphill pretty... battle, man, for sure. I'm not saying it's gonna happen, but if you're Vanderbilt, you're thrilled about <laughs> the process at this point. From two wins, what was it? Um, in twenty. 2020 before him like were they on some some one two win seasons what is uh i was just pulling up vanderbilt here mm, i'm not sure off the top of my head like i mean yeah, yeah he they went two and ten year one for him five and seven this past year oh and yeah. nine the year in the covid year should have been oh and ten but they forfeited that georgia game cost us their seniors their senior day no, mm. still still makes me sick no <laughs> But um, for that three and nine, a six and seven, five and seven, six and seven, four and eight. So like, Derek Mason got to two bowl games in in um in seven years. So it's Northwestern like, out recruited them in the twenty twenty three cycle. They finished fifty first, one four star, zero five stars. Try, what are I'm, we not doing? Calling, I'm not calling them a dark horse to win the SEC East or anything. I'm I just, just saying like they have they their program is as bottom of the barrel as it gets and they're like if they can win five games it's it literally is throw right up like check to dan mullen what are you doing like james franklin literally was that good like no vanderbilt has no business winning nine games like that's just right that, that'll a never blank again. check to dan mullen just do it like he doesn't want to recruit anyway like just let him be the offensive genius with vanderbilt i mean this would suck for us in the sec east because that he would uh win a lot of games uh, i think at vanderbilt but like i don't know just are there any what lakes near Nashville? Mm. You know he's That's a big a lake guy. He's got to he's got to get on the uh, on the water. There big wakeboarding guy. Wasn't he like last year at this time when he was off? They, he was rumored to be taking an OC job in Georgia at a high school. Yeah, he was like helping out with like some high okay. school. Or he was like, oh, like he's bad. He's it, and then he didn't yeah. end up doing it anyway. I know there was talks about him in in Alabama, but it sounds yeah. like that's not going to go anywhere. Honestly, he likes being like, in the booth. It seems like. Because I think Monken, I think that's like he basically only recruits quarterbacks. So it's mm. like Monken's just it's like yeah, you do your offensive thing, like call the plays, do your do your schemes, all that. We'll get you the players. We'll get Brian mm. McClendon. We'll get uh, Del McGee. Like we'll get you the guys. Um, and so it's like at Alabama, it would be the same way. They're, guys are how many? They just signed like nine five stars in this class. Like they don't even have an OC or a DC. It doesn't matter. It's Alabama. Like the the players will be there. I it honestly, it seems like a good a good marriage. If I'm being honest, like Dan Mullen with with uh with Nick Saban's players, like that would be dangerous. I would. I mean, Joe Brady still feel like I don't know. They, let's not worry about Bama. They're gonna be fine. Um, <laughs> another uh, interesting name though on this list Mel Tucker that we both had on here Matt Green why did you have Mel Tucker on the hot seat going into 2023 I didn't necessarily have him on the hot seat I feel like these are just like kind of the the, 
the name's worth monitoring, you know. Mm. So if we're going the heat the heat index, yeah, I had him on as a as a two, mm. but it's he's coming off an eleven and two season year two. Like it was it was essentially a zero. Got the huge extension, and everything. That's probably the main reason it's at two. They have no business firing this man for the ne- in the next five years probably. But I think if if you see another underwhelming season i think there's definitely a conversation that's going to be happening like Mm. this feels like a a two that could that could get to like a five by the end of the year or so because like you look at mark d'antonio and granted you know that might be the unprecedented level of that michigan state's never able to reach again but Mm. with mark uh, d'antonio 13 years he had had two losing seasons the entire time what is that like six i think double digits uh win seasons, won a Big Ten championship, made a college ball playoff. Like Mel Tucker's in year three and he's already got two losing seasons at Michigan State. It's coming off you know an eleven and two season that was great. But um I think there's definitely there's an uphill battle in the Big Ten East for sure. Like you could be the fourth best team in the Big Ten East and be the fourth best team in the Big Ten. Like it's mm. it's not inconceivable to think that could happen. Like that may have been Penn State in, in twenty twenty one. Um, but I just, I look at, I, I look at Michigan state and I think the only way to get the seat cooler is you got to finish like third in the, in the big 10 East, honestly, like you gotta, you gotta beat one of these teams, whether it's Michigan, maybe they have a down year or maybe it's, I feel like Penn state kind of seems like a sleeper this year, but maybe Ohio state in a transition year, the, the odds are not in your favor to, Mm. to, to, to finish third, but I think the seat doesn't necessarily get hotter if he if they finish fourth and they go eight and four or seven and five or something. I don't necessarily think the heat seat gets hotter, but it, it goes back to a zero if they go nine and three and and finish third in the Big Ten East. Like it's like okay, we got our guy. We're just in a super competitive division in a in a really competitive conference, but like this guy's got us competing year in and year out. Especially if if they go nine and three. Obviously, they could go nine and three and lose to Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State theoretically. But um, if they can hopefully win one of those big three games, like that, that just does so much for the fan base and just so much for just the 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 the, the, the coaching seat heat index. Five and seven is not going to cut it. Um, what they did this past year, like just too much money for five and seven. Yeah, and I mean D'Antonio, he got Michigan State into. Uh, I mean. The playoff like they've been in like they, they've been in the college football playoff um Peyton Thorne was good for them as a quarterback and it's never good like I'm always nervous if I'm a fan of like the team when it's like okay well what's been Michigan State's best trait the last two years right Kenneth Walker two years ago on offense um this year was Peyton Thorne on offense like their scoring offense has been great uh the last two years the offense is fine the defense has been a train wreck and he's the defensive guy who came in there he hasn't been able to get the defense right. So it's like, okay, as a defensive-minded coach, why are the defenses not good? Why are we 101st in total defense? Like, for context, Tennessee finished 92nd in total defense last year. Michigan State was 101st. Like, it just, it, it just it's a troubling trend. And you're like, okay, that's got to get righted at Michigan State if they're going to take the next step. And you're, they're going to join the Michigans, the Ohio States, and then, like you said, the Penn States of the world 
Wisconsin just beefed up their group. Like Wisconsin's coming with Fickle. They're going to be really good, I think. So they're going to bounce back soon. Minnesota's obviously gotten their act together with PJ Fleck. Um, for the most part, so they're a formidable group. Illinois just had a great year. Brett Bielema's got that thing working um, in there in Champaign. I don't know. You look at the schedule, Matt Green. This is a big year, I think, for him because it's nice. You get Washington, big out-of-conference game. Guess what? It's at home. That's going to be a top, that's a top 10 Washington team that's going to come into East Lansing. That's a big one for Mel Tucker, I think. And that's one that I think yeah. they can win at home. It's good. It's a good toss-up toss game at home. Then you get to um, early on, where to, where to go? Um, there it is. Well, also Maryland, the week Maryland after Washington. That's kind of like that, almost like a fork in the, a crossroads game. It's like, because I mean, Maryland finished fourth in the yeah. Big Ten East last year. So it's like, which direction are you going? Is Maryland going to be better than you? If, if that's the case, you're going to be in the bottom half of the Big Ten East. Well, you get Michigan at home. You get Penn State at home to end the year. You get Nebraska at home. Your only big road test is at Minnesota and at uh, Ohio State. This schedule... And at Iowa. Yeah. Don't overlook uh, that, that home field advantage at Kinnick Stadium. Uh, did, they, did they play Iowa last year? Let's see. Uh, they did not. I was going to say, I didn't think they played them last year. Um, I don't know. I think they should beat Iowa. This Iowa group yeah. is not great. You should beat Iowa if you're Michigan State. But that looks like a 9-3 schedule, potentially. Like you said, like that, you get a lot of big games at home. So I think next year is going to be a really big year for Mel Tucker. If 6-6 six and six is not going to cut it, I think there's going to be some serious heat on Mel Tucker if they're not, at worst, like 8-4. Eight and, eight and four. Like 7-5 and five still probably keeps him for another year, but he's going to have to make staff changes. Would be yeah, my it's guess. like Michigan State is like not a a middle of the road. Like no, they're they have like you know they're not like the the sexiest co- uh, football program, but like they've had a lot of good years. Like going ten and three and ended up in the Capital One Bowl or those type of seasons where like you know they're one of the better teams in the Big Ten for the last decade plus for sure. So they they uh you know it'll be interesting to see what they do. For sure, Matt Green. Um, Shane Beamer on my list here, Matt Green. Dow Logans, everyone wanted him in the SEC. South Carolina was lucky to get him. Uh, and look, man, Shane Beamer, it, Tennessee fans have a it, – it's just – it goes back a while now. There is a clear <laughs> – there's a clear rivalry now between South Carolina and, uh, and Tennessee. And they're playing it both up. Like, obviously, it meant a lot when – south carolina blew out and ended tennessee's college football playoff hopes in columbia this past fall and it was a great win spencer rattler had the game of his life it was awesome like they they deserved every bit of it they blew out tennessee tennessee did not come to play on defense and that was it that those said, are those kind of moments that mm-hmm. create like not to cut you off but they create like the the true genuine rivalries like mm. you you ruined someone's season like yeah. that's that's massive. Like I think Steve Spurrier, like, I think Georgia beat uh, Spurrier the year he won the Heisman, mm. and like this man hated Georgia forever after that, and he took it out every time he played Georgia. You could just tell the he felt different at Florida and at South Carolina when he played Georgia. But yeah, this is one of the like they'll especially South Carolina. They don't all did due respect to the Gamecocks fans. Like do not have the most history. Like. Something like that, ending a top five team's uh, college football playoff hopes, like that's it goes a long way in just the, the hatred of a rivalry. For sure. Um, this is the other part of it, which is 
he averaged like you look at the splits for this South Carolina offense. Do you remember Marcus Satterfield, who's no longer the offensive coordinator? He went to Nebraska to go in with Matt Rule. Lost a lot of talent in the portal. Jaheim Bell out the door. Stogner, Stegner over there back to Oklahoma for a round two there. Um, Wait, he Marshawn went back Lloyd to Oklahoma? Gone. Yeah, he did go I back don't to think him. I knew that. That's He did, he did go back to Oklahoma. But Rattler's still there. Rattler's still there. He's like the last, the last guy there. And look, man, Marshawn Lloyd's gone. He's also out of there. He was a big-time recruit during the Muschamp era years ago, but that never fully came to fruition. I just look at this, man. I think Kentucky's going to be a lot better next year. I think um, Tennessee is still going to be better. I think um, George is obviously going to be a juggernaut. I just I think there's a real possibility they take a huge step back. And there's something we have to remember. South Carolina fans, prior to the last two weeks of the season were really just like, man, this really sucks. Like, this offense was brutal. You got pulverized by Georgia at home. You struggled throughout the year. Like, this offense was not good. Spencer Rattler had more picks than touchdowns. Like, none of this was working. We forget that the majority of this past year for South Carolina was not good. Like, this was not, this was a below average football team in the SEC for the majority of the season. They just ended on such a high note by beating Tennessee and Clemson, two top 10 teams back-to-back, lost the bowl game. But, like, that was just huge. Like, that's what people remember. It's like the what-have-you-done-for-me-lately stuff. But, like, the other 10 games matter. And the other 10 games were like, this still just doesn't look all the way right. And Spencer Rattler struggled in more games than he did in. This offense looked bad in more games than it didn't. You lost a lot of talent coming over. I just think Kentucky's going to be better. Florida, I think, we'll see. Probably not, but I think Florida will be favored against South Carolina in a matchup next year. Tennessee's definitely not losing to South Carolina early next year in Knoxville. That one might be 65-7. to Like, what Tennessee is going to run up the score on South Carolina in not in Neyland this fall is just going to be obscene. Like, absolutely obscene. Um, yeah, that's a rough start. Uh, five games to start next year with North Carolina. <clears throat> I assume that's the Duke's Mayo yeah. game or whatever. Um, then at Georgia week three, Mississippi State, and then at Tennessee week five. Like, so what does that look like to them? What do you think they start? That's like I don't know. Three and two is like the absolute best case scenario. Like that's three gonna be two. I'm saying, like, North Carolina is not some juggernaut. Like, Drake I don't May think they'd be favoring against North Carolina, though. I don't no, think I know, but I don't. I would probably pick North Carolina. That's what I'm saying. Three and two is the absolute best mm. case scenario. So it's probably more like two and three. Mississippi State, we don't necessarily know what they you know, go to Texas post, A&M post Mike Leach. Tennessee, uh, Mississippi State's going to look like. So you know, there's some definitely some question marks. But yeah, getting Georgia and Tennessee that early is is not going to be great. In terms of like. Heat index though, I, it's still a zero. Like for Shane mm. Beamer, like there's there's absolutely no pressure on Shane. No, Beamer. but when you say you've turned the program around, like you've turned the page, like when you have this vibe, or like we're t- we've turned the page, like we've got this thing humming now. It's like no, you don't. You're on five and seven next year. Like there's gonna be a turn where it's but like you probably said that before last year. They were right there at five and but seven. They, but they didn't go five and seven. They ended up going they eight and five. Seven and six. I mean, it's seven and five, and then won the bowl game. No, they lost the five. bowl game. I was just looking at. It. I, I swear they went eight and five. They lost to Notre Dame. Oh, so yeah, they went eight and four, and then lost the bowl game. Okay, so, so eight and five, yeah. But yeah, so like, 
but it's South Carolina. They just, I mean, I know what you're saying. You, you did make a valid points for sure because we're so quick to forget like how bad this team looked because it's like the Tennessee and Clemson wins are just everything. But it's yeah. like, I mean, you beat two top 10 teams. You're South Carolina. You beat two top 10 teams at the end of the season. Like that's just, that's the massive. week prior that's you get, South- you scored six points against a terrible Florida team. But that's what raises the questions. Is it's like, well, then you what, lost how, to what the hell happened to Missouri and, and Florida? Without a doubt, but yeah. you still went eight and five, and you're South Carolina. Like this is this is as good as it gets, just about. <laughs> like, and I honestly, it's he's almost like become a sympathetic figure too, because South Carolina was just like destroyed by the portal. So it's yeah. almost like. What is he supposed to do? We had our breakthrough year, and we had some young playmakers. Like, and it's like, oh yeah, there are. He's going to Florida State now. Oh, and he's going to USC. Uh, what what is he really supposed to do about that? So that's that. I feel like Beamer also has some leeway in there. For one, people love Shane Beamer, right? Yeah. The, this fan base. He looks at. I South don't know Carolina Shane Beamer. Like All I know is like job. he plays up the rivalry with Tennessee. Like he plays it up. Like there is something where he brings attention. Like he is okay. He with plays the everything up, honestly. Yes. So that's that's his jam. You know, he's trying to make South Carolina relevant. It's like you got to kind of think outside the box a little bit. But I mean, I, I I agree with you. I think South Carolina is in for like a pretty bad season in 2023. But it's like then you know then we can judge where his seat sits at that point. But I mean, I think they they hired him. Like there was negotiations. Like he was very cheap when they hired him initially right for like a very like a pretty short-term contract i think i heard so like Mm. after two years this guy has drastically overperformed kind of what they expected him to do so i mean he's at a zero right now like he's got a lot of job security i think south carolina it's like you're talking about vanderbilt it's like it different teams have different expectations like it wasn't like an A plus season for South Carolina in 2022, but it's I don't know like a solid like B plus like it's a, it's a successful season. I suppose I don't know, man. We'll see. I uh, I just think it's gonna be a bad year, and I think we're on the same page. I think they take a step back. It's Spencer Rattler not just going pro. I think was a was a mistake on. Rattler's yeah, I just front. don't think there's there's like no way. There's no conceivable way for them not to take a huge step back. It's just like Marshawn Bell or Marshawn Lloyd, Jaheim Bell, like those are the the two best playmakers on this offense. Like that's just, it's unfortunate, but you know, that is what it is. Ryan Day, Matt Green. Is there any pressure on Ryan Day? Brian Hartline promoted to OC, loses Kevin Wilson to coach at Tulsa, obviously losing in really, really rough fashion against Georgia, coming out a party for him, calling plays. This is what's weird. He said he's not calling plays next year. Like he's like turning like he's gonna be more of a CEO type coach. So is Brian Hartline, who's like never called plays, calling plays for Ohio State next year? Like that's gonna be really weird. I don't know how that's gonna work. Um, I don't know. Like I think Ryan Day, he's lost to Michigan twice in a row. If I'm Ohio State fan, I'm still pretty happy. Like you should have beaten Georgia. Like that was one of those where you're like, dude, that just hurt. Like we we it had Georgia. Beaten Georgia. Well, I, I'm saying like you were there. Like you gave Georgia more than they could handle than anybody yeah. else all year long. It wasn't even close. Like you were better than Georgia for the majority of that football game. You were you, that was your game. Like they lost that game. Like that was just that was rough. But that's where I that's where I push back. Not that not to get hung up on that. Yeah. Is it's like they didn't necessarily lose the game. It's like. 
was there like a huge mistake they made or anything? It's like that kicker. You saw that. You see that kicker's career stats, right? Yeah. He's never made a fifty yarder his whole career. It was a, yeah. it was exactly fifty yards or fifty one. It's like that's outside his range, you know. Yeah. So it's not like it was a chip shot. Like it was an awful attempt, but like it was just it was a heavyweight uh, fight for sure. Right. I just I think either team could have won for sure. So you're a Ohio State fan. You feel like you definitely could have won the game. I, I feel you there. Yeah. It's just one of those jobs, like what we talked about with Texas with Sark. Just one of those jobs where it's like those fans have a right to be like. Mm, you should be in the playoff and competing for one every year. We are also Ohio State. We don't lose to Michigan back-to-back years. Like, this is rare. Like, this is something you don't do. I think there's real pressure on him because it's, like, you cannot lose to Michigan three years in a row. Like, that is something you can't do. And Blake Corum's back. JJ McCarthy's back. Jim Harbaugh's back. I'm not saying he's on the hot seat going into the year, but, like, even with the new quarterback, it doesn't mean their expectations are going to end. Marvin Harrison Jr.'s back. Um, What's... uh? Meg, oh, what is his name? Um, who was also the the slot guy? Who was actually a five star? Um, Ameka was it? Uh, Abuka. Abuka, yeah. Um, he's back. Jackson Smith and Jigba's gone, but like, I don't know. There's a bunch of talent in the backfield. Like they obviously we talked about their defensive end. Like they're gonna be a top three preseason team again. And Kyle McCord was a five star. He should step right in and be good. But like, that's the thing, man. Is I this is a job where he would not be on the hot seat in just about any other part of the country for how successful he's been. But giving up play calling, losing the way he did to Georgia, losing back-to-back years to Michigan, I think he has like he has to be better, which is crazy, but that's the job. That's, that's the job at Ohio State. I think it's fair to say his seat's going to be very warm and he's going to have a very stressful year in Columbus. What do you think? Yeah, exactly. You said it. Like it's the standards at Ohio State. Like he's he might be one of the best coach coaches in college football, but mm-hmm. the, the standard at Ohio State is just very different than almost every other job in the country. So that that's what it comes down to. Because like you you look at I, I put this at a four, mm-hmm. and honestly, without the Georgia game being what it was, like if if Georgia beat them by two touchdowns, I think it probably could be a five in like a game that like wasn't as mm-hmm. competitive, because. You know, you could make an argument Ohio State didn't really earn being in the college ball playoff last year. It's kind of mm-hmm. their reputation. Like, you know, they, they weren't super – like, they only lost the one game, of course. But it's like it wasn't a tough schedule. Like, they beat Penn State, and that was just – that was pretty much their only competitive win they had the whole season. So there was some kind of pushback on where Ohio State was going into the playoff. So – for them to to play Georgia the way they did, and obviously Georgia just absolutely destroy TCU, like and just see like, oh wow, Ohio State may have just been like by far the <clears throat> far and away the second best team of mm. the in the country this year. It kind of you kind of make that jump, right? But you look at like you, I kind of compare it to Kirby Smart with with Ryan Day because it's like. Kirby Smart, first five years, he had the one playoff appearance, like couldn't really win the SEC. You know, he's coming up second to some, you know, incredible teams like LSU and Alabama in 2019, 2020. So obviously, you know, the pressure is starting to build up. But the difference is that Kirby Smart elevated the program to what it was prior to him arriving in Athens. Whereas Ryan Day, it's like, he took over Urban Meyer's Ohio State that mm. was one of probably the second best program in college football when he took over. So it's for him to not be able to elevate the program from where it already is, 
it just it does start to feel and, and you know part of it's you know unrealistic too it's not a little maybe a little unfair but it's Ohio State doesn't lose to Michigan twice in a row. Like, and I think, <clears throat> I don't think there's necessarily as much pressure per se going into 2023 because you did lose Stroud. Like, obviously, Ohio State always has those national championship expectations, but it's not like a stars aligning 2023 is our year type of thing. Mm. So I feel like if he beats Michigan, wins the Big Ten, the seed is cooled down and it's fine. Like he doesn't necessarily have to win a game in the playoff. Doesn't have to win a national championship, but it's like you win the Big Ten and you beat Michigan. It's like okay, the world is back as it should be in Columbus, Ohio, kind of thing. You know, it's like it's it's not just national championship or bust. It it just about is on the in their years where like this year where where they were so talented and they had you know the the preseason Heisman favorite potentially with C.J. Stroud. Mm. So. There's different year expectations, slightly different somewhere like Ohio State year in a year out, but there's got to be something. Like, you can't lose to Michigan a third straight year. No, and I think, like, what would your gut tell you? If he loses to Notre Dame on the road this year, they get Notre Dame on the road, which would be fun, and Michigan the same year, do you think he's gone? Oh, man. So, and then obviously doesn't win the Big Ten East. Yeah. Yeah, if, if they lose both of those games, I think there's – there's honestly there's talk if they go 11 and 0 and then lose to Michigan and, yeah. and miss the playoff honestly because of just the psychological of what it is I I can't I'm blanking on the um the guy before Jim Tressel but I think that's basically what he was he was yeah. a really good coach that kept losing to Michigan and we can't mm. we can't we can't settle for losing to Michigan so I think um I think there's a conversation to be had if just that happens, which is also unrealistic. And he probably doesn't get fired, but you know, people people are emotional about their about their program. So if they lose to Notre Dame and Michigan, I honestly I could see it happening. But I, I don't I don't necessarily see him losing to Notre Dame either. But you know, Sam Hartman, Notre Dame's gonna be, Notre good Dame's next year. Gonna be a different looking team next year for sure. Final two, Mario Cristobal. We talked about Miami a little bit uh, at the top, so we don't have to spend a lot of time with this with that OC hire. But year two, what do you think? Do you is there a number before like to keep Miami fans believing that this is the guy that finally gets Miami back to where Mark Richt got them, which was number one in the college football AP poll at one point uh, years ago, Matt Green. Do you think they turn it around in year two, and he is off the hot seat? In terms of thinking, I, I feel like I'm still torn on what like I think is gonna happen um, mm-hmm. in terms of Miami, but like I personally put his at a three. Like mm. and at, coming off year one to already be at a three, I don't think that is a good thing at all. Like I think mm. you should still be you can you can miss a bowl game and still register a zero in year one potentially on you know wherever you happen to be. But Miami wasn't bad. Like they went seven and the five. The offense was bad. Eight, no, I'm saying before him, before Cristobal oh. got there. Like, this wasn't, like, the worst. Like, he wasn't taking a team that's just in the gutter. Like, he recruits well. And, and the offense, like like you said, the offense was just so bad. And then now firing uh, Josh Gaddis year one. Like, that just, that just I don't know, that sends off, like, the, the fire alarms. Like, there's mm. something that, that kind of alerts me to, like, you to to know that you got your your year one OC wrong like so quickly like that 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 makes you feel like you know either you know maybe just knows he's not the guy for the job or it's it's pressing the panic button like 
I don't know. I'm I'm a little skeptical of of Cristobal, and I think uh, I think year one, like going five and seven, like they hadn't missed a bowl game since I don't. Let me see, like 2012 was the last time they missed a bowl game. Like that, Miami for as underachieving as they've been, like they haven't been a bad team. Like you, you Al Golden was making a bowl game most years. Made a bowl game. The last three years he was there before he got fired. And obviously, mm-hmm. like you said, Rick had like some success, had a couple teams that finished ranked and, and that sort of thing, um, a double-digit win season. So I I think Miami is one of those jobs that like they're not – I think they're also – you know, who really knows what real money is getting thrown around with NIL? Like there's just so much rumors about stuff. But Miami feels like one of these schools that's a real, con, you know, competitor when it comes to NIL that – you know they're they're willing to throw some money at guys, so I think I've, it feels like when you have that sort of you know program organization booster kind of culture, you're not satisfied uh, missing bowl games. Uh, you you want to be competing competing for ACC titles. So I um I said for the seat to be uh be at least cooler going to year year two, you gotta you gotta win a bowl game. You gotta at least go to a bowl game. Like that's like the bare minimum and. Honestly, winning eight and nine games is like really what you need to be doing in, in year two at Miami. Mm. I think they need to be like nine and three. I think this needs to be minimum nine and three. ACC is not very good. Like if you look at this and conference, too, like yeah. that's part of it. It's just for me. I'm like, you have so much more talent than the rest of this conference right now outside of uh, Florida State and uh, Clemson. Like this, this should be better. Yeah, and the schedule, you know, it's not super difficult. Like, mm. four at a conference to open up the season. Like, Miami, A&M, it's like that A&M at home. Like, who the hell knows what A&M is going to be? That's going to be a tough game for Miami for sure. It's definitely a, far from an automatic win. Mm. One of the ugliest games of 2022, probably, that Miami-Texas A&M game. Yeah. But um, with you got Miami of Ohio. Oh, wow, I didn't realize that. Battle of Miami, week one. <laughs> Um, Bethune Cookman, um, which is not going to be coached by Ed Reed uh, when they come to town. Um, and then Temple, the Manny Diaz Bowl mm. uh, at week four. So it's like this team could start 4-0. and And I, I think I think they better start 4-0, honestly, if it's going to be a good season. But, you know, A&M, who knows? They could win 11 games next year and, you know, really turn things around. But, yeah, when you just look at the ACC, it just feels like it's wide open. There's a couple good teams, but, you know, no one to really like justify like oh you know they're in a they're in a gauntlet of a schedule it's like no Miami you you have the you have the talent you need to you need to be in the upper echelon of the ACC hmm. last one I don't know why you threw this on here Matt Green Hugh Freeze you have Hugh Freeze on <laughs> Matt Green make the case I said Hugh Freeze is at a two Auburn is just a resting two you know I just I, no one's safe at Auburn so no that one was just I was just kind of joking around I um Hugh Freeze it feels like he's got the shortest leash in all of the SEC you know who knows mm-hmm. if a text message uh something comes out and and you know week four Hugh Freeze is just he, he's he's been canned because of something that's happened off the field you know um no obviously nothing has happened yet uh, I don't want to put that on him but um but yeah, you know he well obviously with what his um, what his past was, and what you know Auburn just being like kind of the most volatile you know kind kind of uh, fan base and 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 booster alumni base like you know who who really knows? But no, Hugh Freeze isn't getting fired year one unless something crazy happens. I honestly think Auburn 
Auburn Graham could honestly be a dark horse in, in 2023 if Hugh Freeze. This guy's shown he knows how to coach offense uh, at the Division One level. So it was only a matter of time until they got another shot in the SEC. They've only won double-digit games twice in the last ten years. Wow, a lot and of I six think and they fives, eight and fours, seven and six. That's a and, lot. In those double-digit years, they um, they've still lost like four games. I think, right? Yeah. It's, it's like they've lost like four games, like something like nine years in a row. Like it's it's uh, it's, it's not great. And I they think they'd be. I think they uh, they'd be happy for some of those Gus Malzahn eight and fives right about now. But you know what's crazy too? If you look at the starts, um, Terry Bowden started off eleven and zero in his first year in ninety three. Tubby Tubby Bill, he actually started poorly, five and six, but then was nine and four in year two. Gene Chizik, eight and five, first year, 14 and 0, eight and five, three and nine. What a weird tenure. And then Gas Malzahn, year one, 12 and two, and went to the title game. Um, Brian Harson, six and six, his first year. So I think we'll know pretty early on if Hugh Freeze is going to stick at Auburn. I think if he gets to like eight wins and surprises, I think uh, that's probably a pretty good omen that they're, he's going to make it for, for a couple of years. They don't really do the earlies. I mean, Harson only made it a season and a half, um, which is why I think you threw a freeze on this list. It's like, I don't know. It's pretty volatile at the moment. Um, no, and, and Harson, you know, there's other stuff going yeah. on. So, like, this... Hugh Freeze feels like more of a fit. He feels like more of a fit. He does. He feels like all, it feels like they corrected. Like we should have, we should have hired this guy back in 2021. I don't know yeah. what we're doing. Let's just go ahead and correct that. He uh, he definitely fits Auburn for sure. And if he can beat he? Alabama a couple times, you'll fit right in at Auburn for sure. And he has a career 84, 83 and forty three, six fifty nine win percentage. Um, good bowl record, six and two in bowl games. His worst season to this point was. Five and seven his last year at Old Miss. So he's won 10, seven, eight, nine. He won 10 games a year one at uh, Arkansas State, won seven in year one at Old Miss, and then won eight in year one at Liberty, and never won less than eight. So I don't know. I think he's probably, if I had to pick whatever the he over was under cheating, is. to be fair. So oh, wow. there, I mean, not year one. I mean, he was he was getting the recruits. However, he was getting all on. We're not doing but, any of that. He won games. But, uh, he beat Saban. But twice. I'm saying I don't know if he can replicate getting the, that same level of recruits on. Campus, I think he's gonna be fine. But, Auburn's gonna recruit. They're. I mean, he look at what he did to save this recruiting class, Matt Green. Auburn was down bad going into early signing day. He flipped the script quick. What did Auburn finish? Didn't they finish top 15 in this class somehow? Yeah, I think you're right. I had the recruiting classes pulled up. On, I think they finished top 15. They were down in like the here. 40s or 50s when he took the job. And um, really late in the cycle. 20, oh, I'm looking at 2022. Sorry. They finished 17th. Okay, yeah. It was a... To just get the bodies in there. Yeah, he beat <laughs> Michigan, twenty-one TC, guys, Florida State, Arkansas. Like he finished strong. Yeah, I don't know, I man. That's a that's a good call. I think I don't, I I don't seriously think he's you know he's on the hot seat, but with with what Auburn does uh, with their coaches recently, and it, you know to be fair, Malzahn got was seven or eight years. You know, Chiswick mm. was fired because I think everyone knew Chiswick wasn't a good coach. You know, it was yeah. just like the the Cam Newton everything. The star is aligned and everything, but uh, and then Tuberville had a pretty long tenure. So you know, in all fairness to to Auburn out there, they uh, you know maybe they got it right, and, and Hugh Freeze will be around for a while. And you know this, 
could be the he could be uh, coming around right at the right time. Like Alabama's, they had, he had some success when Alabama had you know the best defense in college football. Like they've they've shown a little chink in their armor on the defensive some chinks in their armor the last few years on the defensive side of the ball. Like you know with with how Hugh Freeze can can coach offense, we'll see that that quarterback competition at the very least uh, should be interesting. For sure, for sure, Matt Green. Um, well, that's all I've got, sir. Uh, anything you wanted to add as we wrap up here tonight? Um, I just want to say shout out to the Cincinnati Bengals. Mm. I don't know if you uh, cheated isn't the right word. No, they, they had their opportunities. Cheated, they missed them. But man, what a terrible way to decide a football game. Like, I'm sorry. Like that was, the, the, the they're calling that need, every single time. The refs they're, need to, to take in the context. Like this is a huge moment. Like in the Super Bowl, I just don't feel like hitting a guy like one step out of bounds. It was two. Like, I don't think the second foot, a second foot had reached. Had I don't know. It was one of those. I always yet. go on it's, the side of like, what does it feel like in the moment? In the moment, I was like, oh, it's, they're going to call it. That's how it should the, be. But see, that's those are two different conversations mm. though. Because in the moment, I was like, they're definitely going to call. This. Right. This is yeah. going to suck. But it's like. I think that about like just generic hits on the quarterback these days. Mm. Like you get a sack, Grady Jarrett gets a sack, and it's and it's roughing the passer. Like I don't, he's not a passer if he got a sack. So I don't, I don't even understand the NFL's rules these days. It wasn't like an awful call. I just feel like for the situation, it's like you're gonna decide who goes to the Super Bowl on this play. It's like these guys are busting it full speed, picking up a huge first down. Like he's trying to stop the guy. It's like no. You got to stop right here. Not not a half second longer. It's like, I don't know. Seems uh, It seems like just a little harsh to me. Mm. There you go. Um, Matt Green. That's all I've got, sir. Yeah, man. That's all I got. It's an excellent Green. show. We'll have to uh, figure out uh, what we do from here with, after our coaching hot seat heat index. We have a lot of good ones. Maybe we should do next. We, let's do transfer portal winner and losers next. You do that. Yeah, let's do it, man. It's closed. It's all done. We know everything's going. We got until... signing day. Also, uh, well, do we... quote unquote signing day <laughs> this uh, coming up next week. So, do we? There's a few big fish out there. Deuce Robinson, number one tight end in the country. Whole world wants to know where he's going. What if he surprised everybody just because he enjoyed catching passes from Nico in the Polynesian <laughs> Bowl so much? Where he's like, I'm just gonna go follow Nico, the number one quarterback. Is Tennessee in his group? I don't even no, know. No, it's just I, USC and Georgia. He isn't. Even, is I don't think a... he's been to Tennessee's campus. Like, I don't think he's been like. It's just been Nico being <laughs> like, "Come on," uh, which, um, I, yeah, I don't think he's a ball. So the group chat, the family group chat, was watching that Polynesian ball. The Thomas family, uh, who were uh, all the the Tennessee alums, were like, "Deuce Robinson, Tennessee, can we get him?" And I'm like, "No." Probably not like Deuce Robinson. Like I think I'm gonna lean where tight end U is down there in Athens, Georgia. Like I'm I'm gonna lean that they probably have the edge. He's a West Coast kid, so it's like USC makes the most sense. But it's like if he leaves the West Coast, I'm gonna go ahead and go where like Brock Bowers, Darnell Washington, Oscar Delp, and we've been getting some tight ends from the West Coast. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't uh, I don't think Tennessee's winning that battle. Even with Nico, Nico at least makes it somewhat like one percent interesting, just because he was just catching passes from him, and it's like they had some kind of bond and. He really did enjoy it and could see himself catching passes from Nico uh, on Saturdays, maybe, but I don't think so. I think it's my guess is Georgia. I'm always going to lead five-star tight end Georgia. 
Well, and what's insane is so twenty four seven updated their rankings, came up with their mm-hmm. final rankings for this class, and the composite Pierce Sperlin. <clears throat> Is up to 76. He's the second ranked tight end in the country mm. out of uh, somewhere in Florida, um, already committed to Georgia. The eighth ranked tight end from Norcross, Lawson Lucky's committed to Georgia. Hmm. Deuce Robinson's the number one tight end in the country out of Arizona. The fifth ranked tight end, Walker Lyons. This guy's from Folsom, California. He's apparently a, a Mormon. He's going to go on like some a Mormon on a mission, like uh, mm. the, the first the year of high trip, school. Yeah. And he's he might pick Georgia as well. So Isn't they could Stanford? potentially the the crystal balls right now are at, at uh, for Stanford, but yeah. he Georgia's right there in it. Like Georgia mm. has a potential to land four of the top eight tight ends in the country. They're they're favored to get the third. Well, hold on, we got one Matt two. Green, Ethan Davis from Collins Hill uh, down there in Swanee, Georgia. There you go, Collins yeah. Hill, mm. my old uh, my old stomping grounds. I got. That's that's the the football team I played for, but um yeah, just well, to speaking get of Deuce Robinson, and Pierce Spurlin, top two yeah. tigers in the country, just Brett uh, Todd Hartley, just absolutely just killing it on the on the recruiting trail every year. Um, did you hear the news of who the next North Gwinnett head football coach is? Oh, I did not, because Bill Stewart, you know, left. Of course, he joined Georgia Tech staff. <laughs> he joined. Oh, Georgia did he? Tech I did staff. not realize yeah. that. Okay, so who's the new head coach? Parkview's head coach, Eric Godfrey, mm. left Parkview to go coach your North Gwinnett Bulldogs. So I think that says it all. Where House uh, divided. Where North Gwinnett and Parkview are as two programs. I think uh, mm. Parkview's really just a stepping stone job to get to, uh, to, get to the big-time powerhouse in Suwannee, Georgia. Wow. I saw that, and I was like, man, worlds collide over here. Matt's going to love this. He's on the Parkview coach. Parview alum, friend of the show, Coach Godfrey, on his way to become the head football coach for North Gwinnett. It's a good job, though. But also, Georgia and Tennessee, or Georgia and Tennessee, are going to be in a lockstep battle for the five-star wideout from Parkview. Uh, they're battling. It's those the the favorites for Mike Matthews. Um, so yeah, is he? I and I is he a wide receiver at the next yeah, he's level? A wide receiver. I think there's a chance he could play defense, right? I think he's gonna be a wide receiver, and Tennessee okay. is. The Blitnikoff situation has made that very good. So I'm glad that that is a thing because Tennessee can show proof of concept now. And uh, I think they're going to get multiple five stars, it looks like, in this class at the wide receiver spot. Wide receiver you up here not in Rocky Top. Quarterback you with Nico being the number one in the class. And then you've got wide tight end you, running back you. Wide receiver Linebacker you, honestly. George yeah, at you this too. point as well. Uh, the running backs, you know. They've mm. kind of fallen off. Not not the elite of elite running backs necessarily. No disrespect to Kenny McIntosh mm. and James Cook, national champion, and Zamir White, national championship winning running backs. But um, feels like the the days of No. Sean and Gurley of having like the elite first round pick running backs, DeAndre Swift, even Chubb, like mm. uh, George has fallen off. It feels like they've fallen off a little bit in that in that running back room. But we'll we'll see what uh, Kendall Milton, Branson Robinson, and company have. Uh, going forward i hope they I hope they hear this and i hope it uh motivates their 2023 performance i just want ryan wingo let me get ryan wingo and then we're good to go matt green thank you as always my friend and i will talk to you next week sounds good man this has been ingram radio voice of the atlanta braves and i'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the chase thomas podcast as a friend of the podcast i'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one 
To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Chase, I think I'm going to hear more about you. I really do. I think you've got a way about you, but you're interviewing, mm-hmm. you're, um, pleasantness, you're smart. So I think I'm going to hear big things about you. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.